0: not sure what i want to talk about this evening <laughs> not sure i want to talk <laughs> when when the buddha was asked what he taught was talking about <laughs> when he was asked what it was that he taught his reply was that he taught about dukkha and the ending of dukkha and and it's a it's a very important statement for us to remember And it's important for us to remember that this really is what the teachings and the practice is about. It's about knowing dukkha and the ending of dukkha. And sometimes um, we kind of get caught up in the dukkha aspect of it and forget that it's really about the ending of dukkha. And sometimes we get sidetracked. We get we get sidetracked and we forget that it's about dukkha and the ending of dukkha. And one one very simple way that uh, that we easily get sidetracked is um, is in the technique, thinking that it's all about being able to breathe a certain number of breaths without getting distracted. How many have seen that one? <laughs> it's a distraction. It's not what it's about. Thinking that it's all about concentration. If I can't concentrate, I can't meditate. My concentration is no good. How many have had that thought? How many times have you heard myself or Brad use the word concentration on this retreat? Okay? Concentration is certainly an important, it's an important piece of the practice, but it's only a piece. And we tend to give it far more emphasis than it really needs. And the attempt to get concentration, the attempt to stay with just the breathing and to and to stay with so many breaths in a row and the effort that we put into the struggle that we put into trying to achieve these very much contributes to dukkha rather than keeping in focus that the practice is about the ending of dukkha okay so so really important to keep this and, and so the so the the practice and the teachings Um, become placed in this context of understanding Dukkha and knowing the ending of Dukkha. And the Buddha, from his great insight and from his own experience of, of practice and his own experience of life and dealing with people and being in solitude, but primarily through his, his, through his insights, through his experience, was able to, to formulate, to, to outline um, a process for understanding Dukkha, for knowing Dukkha, and knowing the ending of Dukkha. And he, he formulated this in, in a number of different ways, but the, um, the most common formulation... Is what he referred to as the four noble truths, and it's just four very simple statements, and the statements are rather obvious, and I think many of you are familiar with it the uh, The statements are rather obvious and yet at the same time they're very profound, and they can be they can be seen and understood and known at many different levels. And the first statement may be the most profound at all uh, of all, and it's very simply that there is dukkha. Just the very simple statement: there is dukkha. And and this is this is rather obvious. And and remembering, and I'm going to go into the meaning of dukkha a little bit more. But just for now, just remembering those of you who aren't familiar with the word, remembering that dukkha is the word that's most commonly translated as suffering. But also translated as dissatisfaction or unsatisfactoriness. It's translated as stress. It's translated as angst or anguish. Okay, so so the Buddha point, uh, points out there is dukkha, and I think this is obvious. Is there anyone here who who would disagree with that statement? <laughs> I think for all of us, our experience shows us, yes, of course, there's dukkha. And, um, and, and, and so, the, so the Buddha's pointing it out, but, he's, but in, this, in this statement, in, in making this the first noble truth, he's more than pointing it out. He's actually inviting us, he's inviting us to pay attention to dukkha this first statement is an invitation to pay attention to dukkha. This first statement, there is dukkha, is 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 often wrongly, very wrongly translated as life is dukkha. And it's really important to, to make the distinction and to see and to know that the actual translation is there is dukkha because I hope we all know from our own experience that all of life isn't dukkha. We do have moments, at least, (laughs) when we're not caught up in dukkha. We do have moments of true inner happiness and ease and peace and well being. Sometimes for some of us, they may seem few and far between. But the fact is, we have them, and um, I'm going to. I, if I have time, I'm going to come back to this point. So the so this this first this first statement, there is dukkha, an invitation, an invitation to pay attention, pay attention, and and I mentioned um, at the at the the opening of the retreat, I mentioned how the Buddha regarded dukkha regarded suffering as a gateway to liberation. And if we can remember this, if we can remember that dukkha is a gateway to liberation, then maybe, maybe the, the examining of dukkha, maybe even the, the experiencing of dukkha as it arises, isn't such a terrible thing. Maybe it's a blessing for us to be able to to be able to experience dukkha and, and see it in a way and see it in a context that ah, here's the possibility of liberation. Here's the possibility of ending dukkha. And so so a moment of experiencing dukkha can become a moment for liberation. What a wonderful thing, wonderful thing! And yet we we struggle and struggle and struggle so much to get rid of that which causes dukkha. And there's an issue in here that I'll try and get back to. Also, <laughs> trying to keep things in a bit of a sequential order. So, so what, what exactly what exactly is dukkha? So the the Buddha. The Buddha defined. He gave. He gave a whole <coughs> list of definitions of dukkha, and and he starts out. He says, um, he says, birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha, death is dukkha, and he goes on and he says, um, not getting what we want is dukkha. And he says, "Separation from what we love or what we want is dukkha that sense of separation a sense of loss and and um a couple more couple more aspects of dukkha um, and and basically um To a very large extent, Dukkha comes down to wanting things to be different than they are. Whenever there's a wanting something to be different than it is, this is Dukkha. And if we can recognize that, then we can see that Dukkha comes, Dukkha appears in a wide range of degrees. So there's the the degree of dukkha which we would outright call suffering. And then there's the the very subtle degrees of dukkha. The very subtle wanting, sometimes so subtle that we're not even aware of it, not even conscious of it, the the subtle wanting that pain in the back to go away. The subtle wanting... um, wanting a different cushion just not being comfortable enough on this cushion why are these cushions so lumpy <laughs> so this this whole range of dukkha and and this is important to remember too because sometimes we can be in the midst of dukkha and not even recognize it and this first statement there is dukkha is an invitation to look and see to understand to know yes there is dukkha here and keeping in mind that the statement isn't life is dukkha keeping in mind that there isn't always dukkha and and so it's not it's not like we should be going around kind of digging in and saying okay where are you dukkha <laughs> i know you're there somewhere where is it where are you come on out i think we can all recognize that we don't have to do that to experience dukkha dukkha has a way of showing itself so these these different these different types of of dukkha and um and and in 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 the tibetan tradition dukkha is is categorized into into three Kind of areas, three areas or three aspects, and and the first is is it's described as the dukkha of dukkha, and what's meant by that is the very obvious forms of dukkha that we experience. The dukkha when there is a lot of pain in the body, or when there's illness, or when there's when there's when there's an injury to the body. Okay, the 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 most obvious. Most direct kind of forms of dukkha or the the dukkha of dukkha, and the second the second category is um, is a category that I think might be the most commonly recognized and the most commonly experienced one, and that 's the dukkha of change, the dukkha that we experience in the midst of change when something is changing, and we can we can see i think we can We can recognize in our own lives in our own experience the the dukkha that we experience in the midst of change and change change of job change of relationship, change of place where we live, change of financial situation um, change of uh change of the weather uh, just you know we can, we can look at almost any any Event of change. And certainly we could include in this, um, the, the, the Buddha said, aging is dukkha. And I think we could include aging in this, this category of change. Birth is dukkha. Birth is very much change. The process of being born, as well as the process of giving Birth. In both of these there's change, and in both of these there can be significant dukkha so the dukkha the dukkha of dukkha and the dukkha of change and we can we can see in, in in change we can we can see on also in the the opening on Friday evening I talked about these these different um these different kind of world situations, the the change in the economic situation of the world, and how much dukkha continues to arise out of those changes, and the and the uh, the volcano last year, and all the flights that were canceled, and all the the difficulties of travel, and and difficulties of breathing for people, and just so much dukkha created by that that environmental change and the situation in Japan so much dukkha from from the the earthquake and the tsunami and the whatever is happening with the the nuclear reactors and so so where there's change where there's change there's the the likelihood i would say of dukkha the dukkha of change. And the third category is, um, is the, the dukkha of, I, I would phrase it as the dukkha of selfness. The dukkha of selfness. The dukkha of being caught up in me. It's a dukkha of kind of, of self-centeredness, of seeing oneself as the center of the universe. And believing that to be how it is I'm here, and the world is out there. the dukkha of the sense of separation and isolation that can come with that and i would I would include with that the um, you know, um, aging and death is um there's definitely dukkha of change in that. But I would say there's also dukkha of selfness in that. You know, when, when, when we're aging, there's a, there's a sense of who I am. I have a sense of who I am. And then at some point I realize I'm not that person anymore. I've changed and there's so there's the there's the dukkha of the change, but it's also the dukkha because of this image of who I am, and that image just doesn't stand up anymore and it's, oh no the dukkha of the dukkha of of selfness and the dukkha in, and included in that I would say would be the dukkha of loss, that sense of i've lost something and and the identification that we have with whatever it is we've lost and I, and i would say particularly when it's when it's a person who we love as the buddha said separation from what or who we love that kind of separation and in that separation there's there's the sense of my loss and 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 I, and, and very important i'm not saying that that shouldn't be there. I'm not trying to set up a goal that there shouldn't be that sense of loss. It's very natural to feel that loss. It's very natural to grieve for it. But as we look more and more into what dukkha actually is, perhaps perhaps we can get an inkling that maybe, maybe it's possible to, to experience that without dukkha. Is it possible in the midst of loss? Is it possible in the midst of change? Is it possible in the midst of serious illness to be open to it all in a way that there isn't dukkha, to be free from dukkha? So we have these, these different supposed causes, these different conditions that give rise to dukkha these different conditions, these different states that are, that are described as, by the Buddha as dukkha. And this first statement again, this there is dukkha, is an invitation to open to all of this, to really allow ourselves to feel the dukkha when it's showing. And so much of the practice is directed at this. You know, this is another way that we get, we get sidetracked in the practice. You know, we get, we get the instructions open to it, allow it, be with it, be present with it, not trying to get anything, not trying to get rid of anything. And so we have all these wonderful instructions, and what we're trying to do all along is, I just want to get rid of this back pain. I just want to get rid of this headache. I just want to get some peace. I just want to have a quiet mind. The sidetrack becomes getting and getting rid of. And this statement is saying, no, it's not about getting or getting rid of. It's about understanding. And understanding arises with giving attention to, being present with. And when we when we when we when we look at, at at dukkha, when we when we open ourselves to to the experience to the experience of dukkha. Well, at least when the Buddha opened himself to the experience of dukkha and and really inquired into it, really investigated, really open to the experience with a with a real determination to to understand what's going on here. <coughs> he came to the conclusion which is, which, became, which becomes the second noble truth and that is the cause of Dukkha. The cause of Dukkha. So recognizing that there is a cause for Dukkha no matter what the, the type, no matter whether it's the Dukkha of Dukkha, the Dukkha of change, the Dukkha of selfness, whether it's the Dukkha of birth, of aging, of, Death, of losing, of separation, of not getting, there's a cause. And the Buddha identified this cause as clinging, holding on, attachment, identifying with, grasping on to. The, um, the Pali word Upadana that's translated. As clinging, it actually has the, the, the meaning the meaning of it is, is more one of sustaining than clinging. So it has that, that sense of, of holding on, trying to keep, trying to protect, trying to sustain the sustaining. And the image that comes through from the, from the Pali word is, the, is one of fueling the fire. Just keep throwing wood, so the the, the dukkha is the fire, and we just keep throwing the wood in, <laughs> keep throwing the fuel in and, and just keep it going we sustain we sustain it, and how do we sustain it? We sustain it by by clinging and um, and it's it's important here to uh, to recognize and to and to and to really remember that When we speak of clinging, when we speak of holding on, of attachment, of identification with, but with clinging, we're also including in that pushing away, trying to get rid of, trying to keep, trying to keep away, trying to distance from, wanting to get rid of that pain in the knee is a form of clinging it's clinging to the idea of the absence of pain in the knee <laughs> okay so aversion pushing away resistance not wanting are forms of clinging and and this is this is this is important to remember because we can we can get kind of caught up in the idea of clinging just being holding on to And we can see at times. Well, I'm not holding on to anything. I'm just trying to get rid of this. I just want to feel better. So the Buddha identified clinging as as the cause, and um, and clinging, clinging. Oh boy, there's a there's a whole whole process of how clinging arises. But basically, I'm not going to go into it now, but basically, clinging is, clinging and, and also the, the, the pushing away, the aversion, clinging is an attempt to sustain something. It's an attempt to protect something. It's an attempt to preserve something to keep something from changing and what it is that we um, that we try to keep from changing the the Buddha pointed out when he when he gives this list of dukkha birth is dukkha is aging death, and so on, and so on, and so on. The last last statement he makes, he says, in short, or in summary, dukkha is this sense of self, this sense of self, this perception of me, (coughs) fueled by clinging. And so this, again, this image of fueling the fire comes in here the sense of, of self the sense of me and so the the clinging the clinging is to protect somehow to defend this to sustain to fuel me who i am and when we and and, and i think we can see if we if we look carefully when we when we when we're noticing dukkha in relation to something if we look closely and if we look honestly i think we can see and acknowledge recognize that what we're really holding on to is how i feel about it how i am with it how i'll be without it it's really about me it's about this 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 me And so we, we, we think in terms of clinging to objects. Clinging to objects. And when we experience dukkha, the tendency is for the attention to go to the object. And we want to change the object. We want to keep it. We want to get rid of it. We want to fix it somehow. We want to do something about it. And... Where, where, the, where, where it's more useful for the attention to go, actually, is in the relationship to the object. If we can turn the attention to the relationship, how is my relationship to this object? And then we can see, oh, yeah, it's a relationship of holding on. Oh, it's a relationship of wanting to get rid of. It's a, a wanting relationship or an aversive relationship. And we can, we, can, we can see, again, if we look honestly and openly and clearly, we can see, if, if we look at an object, we can see that so often, in so many situations, a particular object sometimes is desirable to us, is pleasurable, agreeable, and sometimes exactly the same object is not so desirable, not so pleasurable, not so agreeable. I had a, I had a really, um, a, a very powerful experience of this one time in India. I went to a, um, a tea shop, and ordered a cup of chai and a samosa. And um, there was a, a woman running this chai shop, and she and and I, I think she had just oiled her hair, and her hair was hanging down loose, and it was just beautiful. It was shiny and sparkly and clean and just real dark black, just really beautiful hair. And I was kind of admiring her hair. And she brought me the chai and the samosa and I had a sip of good chai, really good chai. And I took a bite into the samosa and there's one of these black hairs. (laughs) And all of a sudden, that hair was not so beautiful. (laughs) Same hair, same person, same place. So the 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 dukkha and the absence of dukkha are they in the object? Where do they lie? Where does the dukkha lie? And I'm sure we've all had similar experiences like this. You know, you go out and you lie on the beach, and the sun is oh, it's just so wonderful. You just oh, it's wonderful. Oh, take off my shirt. Oh, huh. And then an hour later, just you know feet red and burning and stinging. Sun, oh, <laughs> not so wonderful. It's the same sun. The sun hasn't done anything. It's just been the sun. That's all. The, the, the desire, the aversion, the clinging, the pushing away, the dukkha, it's not in the object. And by giving attention to the object, we're distracting ourselves distracting ourselves from the possibility of liberation we come to the relationship and we see that the relationship is a much bigger piece of it and we look at the nature of the relationship craving the cause of dukkha another i had a, another experience i had in india very powerful very powerful experience. Um, I, I used to. I, I, one one year when I was when I was living in India, I took up um, smoking BDs. Are You all familiar with beaties? For those of you who aren't, beaties are these tiny little cigarettes that are pure, raw, untreated tobacco. <laughs> the strongest tobacco you can imagine. They're just tiny little things. And it's the crumbled-up tobacco rolled up in a tobacco leaf and tied with a little piece of string. And, uh, and they look really neat. And they're very strong. And I, I got into smoking beaties. And, and one day, I was, in, I was in the bank. I had to go to the bank to change some money. And I'm standing, and there's this long queue waiting to get up to the counter. And I thought, oh, have a beatie. And I reached in my pocket, and there was no beaties. And I could feel a moment of panic. <laughs> no Beattie. What am I going to do? <laughs> and I looked around and I thought, I could go out, I could run out and get a package. And then I looked at the line and I thought, no, I can't do that. <laughs> the line will be even longer if I do that. And, um, and I thought, okay, I don't need a Yeah, I don't need it. I'll just stay here and I'll be fine pushing away, pushing away, denial of what was showing, of this, this desire that was showing. So I'm standing there, the line's getting nowhere, and then the thought came, I could ask someone else if they have some beaties. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, no, I can't do that. They're all, you know, they're all Indians, I'm a westerner, I can't ask if you're a and it's okay, I'll be fine. And then, standing, the line still hadn't moved. <laughs> and I'm still standing there. And, and I started to feel this desire for the beedi. You know, it came as a thought. Oh, like a beady, like a beedi. And then, okay, when desire comes in the mind, turn the attention to the body. Bring the attention into the body. Bring the attention into the body. I'm standing there, and I start to feel the body vibrating. The whole body is just... And, and, the, and the vibration kind of got finer and finer until I was standing there. It was like every individual cell of the body was vibrating and buzzing. And, and every cell of the body was screaming out, Beady! 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 And... and, and and i looked at the line again in front of me and i looked at the line behind me and, oh. and, and 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 i just i just decided the only thing i can do is stay with this sensation and it's just buzzing away and screaming beady 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 and i just standing there and feeling this all and 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 just in a moment it just came to me this is dukkha this is dukkha it was so unpleasant and so uncomfortable and it and it and and, and i t- i talked about insight the other day as not being with thought and this this wasn't a thought that came it was just a knowing this is dukkha and in the instant of that knowing the whole thing just went poof. And the desire was gone. And I can honestly say, since that moment, there has not been the least desire for a <laughs> The The recognition, the knowing of that very desire being dukkha was so powerful. And the, the 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 knowing of the ending of dukkha that came in that moment was so powerful that the desires gone. And these these first two noble truths are the invitation to us to open to dukkha in this way, to allow ourselves to experience dukkha with a knowing that the the knowing of dukkha, the experiencing of dukkha, the understanding of dukkha is the ending of it. And I, I, I have to put a little qualifier in here and say that there are situations with, I would say, with injury and with, with illness where there are physical experiences there is physical pain and sometimes care has to be taken so we have to bring in this meta we have to bring in this kindness to ourselves as well and there and there and there, and there the, the, it has to be the right time the conditions have to be right but when the conditions are are supportive and there's the 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 support to, to really open to Dukkha in this way. To know the, the craving, the craving, that craving, that desire, that strong desire that gives rise to the, the clinging, the holding on. I want this, I want this bidi, I want this beady, I need this bidi. The clinging in that. And then to feel, to feel, to know the Dukkha in that. And then, the end and the third noble truth is the end of dukkha and it's it's interesting the, the just the following through on this 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 analogy of um this image of fueling the fire the the word that's used to describe the ending of dukkha is nibbana in pali, in sanskrit which is the more familiar form it's nirvana in pali nibbana and the meaning of Nibbana is extinguishing. And the image is the extinguishing of the fire. So we have the fueling of it that sustains sustains the self and therefore sustains the Dukkha. And the ending of it is the burning out of that fire. The extinguishing of the fire, the fire of craving and clinging. And the fourth, the fourth noble truth is the path. It's the path. And the Buddha outlines, um, outlines a path that I'm, I'm not going to start into now, not in detail, but he outlines a path that encompasses the meditation and encompasses every aspect of life. And, and it's interesting that the path comes last. The path comes after. You know, number three is the ending of dukkha, and then the path is number four. and and the, and the Buddha says this is a this is a path which leads us to the ending of dukkha. And he says that it's a path to be developed. And so the path is the practice, and we use the path, we use the practice to develop to develop conditions that allow us to open to the dukkha and know it and know the ending of it but it's it's also the it also kind of works the 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 knowing of the ending of dukkha and and i would say that every one of us has had moments like this maybe not as dramatic as the beady moment, but I would say that every one of us has had moments of experiencing a time when we've really been holding on to something, really been stuck on something. And suddenly we see it in a different way and there's, oh, and that holding just comes to an end and we feel, we feel the release in it, we feel the freedom in that letting go. And I'd be willing to bet that every one of us has had that experience at times. And that, that knowing, that knowing of that and the knowing of the possibility of that kind of brings us into the path. And it's interesting when the Buddha outlines outlines the path, The the first point, there's eight points in it, and the first point is right understanding or wise understanding. The first point is about wisdom. And the wisdom, the right understanding, the Buddha describes as an understanding of the Four Noble Truths. And so it's it's and i would say this is true for almost everyone almost anyone who comes to meditation comes because there's an awareness of some form of dukkha in their lives and i would say that at some level there is a trust in the possibility of ending it and a trust that comes out of some experience somewhere sometime And so I would say that the very fact that all of us are here is a sign of our innate wisdom. And on the retreat we hopefully we're we're cultivating developing this wisdom and allowing for a deepening of the wisdom. Allowing for wisdom to show in different ways, for wisdom to show through insights. Through insights into the nature of things. Insights into the impermanence of things. And in the, in the knowing of the impermanence, in seeing the impermanence of things, and really, really knowing that, knowing that we can't hold on. To attempt to hold on to something will be dukkha because change is inevitable. And to see, to see into, to to understand, to, to have the, the arising of insight into the, the conditionality of things, the interdependence of things, the conditionality, knowing that when, when, um, when a, a strong emotion arises. It's arising because of certain conditions, certain conditions from the past, certain conditions in the present, and they all come together and cause this to arise. And it's, it's not that there's something wrong with me. It's just that the conditions are just ripe for this to happen. And we can let go of, and to see this is to let go of the judging and the blaming and the criticizing and the, and the, the taking up and the, the, the fueling, the fueling of it. And to to recognize this, to recognize this conditionality and to not to fuel it is to allow the conditions to change, is to allow for change. And when we allow for the change... This strong emotion, whatever it is, passes because the conditions are no longer present to support it. Research shows that when an emotion is triggered, and and an emotion can be triggered by some external factor, it can be triggered by something internal, a memory, a body sensation. And the, the, when it, with a memory or a body sensation, what happens is the, the memory or the body sensation gets associated with something from the past, and poof, the whole thing comes flooding back in. And there's the emotion. So when an emotion is triggered, the body-mind is flooded with all these chemicals that are released from the, in, the, in this process of emotion. And the research shows that if the emotion isn't fueled by getting caught in the story, by elaborating on it, if, it's, if, if we can be open to it and not get caught in it and not try to push it away, this whole chemical process comes to an end within 90 seconds. amazing how fast it can change amazing how fast it can pass if we just allow it and the 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 ending of the dukkha comes from that allowing so the so the, the practice is very much one of of Developing this, this ability to be open to, to allow for, to be spacious with, to allow for impermanence, to allow for conditionality, and to to see it all happening without taking up, without pushing away. And this is the middle path. Path that doesn't go to this extreme of in this extreme of go away, go away. This this allowing. And and in this allowing is <coughs> excuse me, in this allowing is the friendliness, the metta. So in the practice we we the in the in the practice. One, one aspect of the practice is the exploration of an object. So today we've been using the breathing, we've been using body sensations, the exploration of body to come to realize the impermanence of body, to come to realize the conditionality of body. And then there's the aspect of giving attention to the relationship how am I with this how am I relating is my relationship one of openness or is it one of don't like that don't want that or one of oh I like that I want to keep that now I've got it I'm giving attention to this this sense of the me this perception of me who's supposedly doing all of this. I'll speak more about this next time. Okay, so, so remembering Dukkha and the ending of Dukkha. The cause of Dukkha being the, the clinging, the holding on. And the ending of Dukkha in the in the knowing that this is the cause and knowing that wherever there's clinging there will be Dukkha and to know it so profoundly that there is no interest whatsoever in clinging. So let's sit quietly together for a few minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.